Good morning, Centerway Church. We are Claude and Meredith Valdez, and we are very proud to lead this wonderful church. We want to welcome everyone gathering on the live platform, as well as those of you watching or listening later. We are so thankful for every person choosing to spend time with Centerway today, and especially those who are joining us for the very first time. We're so glad that you're here. Before we run through some logistical things about today, we want to share a couple of things. Yeah. First, we want to acknowledge the injustice happening in our world and in our community. We put some thoughts on our social media, but just want to briefly reiterate a couple things. Hopefully the obvious, racism is wrong. It's a sin. We're committed to being part of the much needed change and part of the conversation. We care about social issues, uh, whether it's racial injustice, human trafficking, homelessness, and the list goes on. That said, we will always recognize that sin is the problem and Jesus is the answer. So we commit to preaching the word of God so that we can be transformed by it and that the outflow of a life centered on Jesus will certainly be comforting the hurting, taking up the cause of the marginalized, breaking down barriers and more. Let's all remain prayerful that we, the church, will lead the way in change, not because there's any good in us, but because of how good Jesus is and in the confidence that a gospel-centered church changes things. That's right, it does. The second thing we wanna talk about is related to gathering in person. Our lead team has been talking about ways to continue to connect while we gather online, as well as a plan to meet in person. For those of you listening that don't know, we're a mobile church, which means we don't have our own building. <laughs> uh, so for us, there are variables that we don't control. So yes, we've been looking for alternatives, but again, being in any building that's not our own presents its unique challenges. So until we get the go ahead to gather in a, our current location or another location, we can only plan for so much. But in the coming weeks, we do plan to structure a way for us to have watch parties together on Sundays. In the meantime, though, if you want to gather in groups of 10 or less while adhering to social distancing uh, guidelines and proper hygiene, of course, uh, we'd encourage you to do that at your discretion. And we promise to let you know when we know uh, what our location permits. Either way though, rest assured, this is how we're gonna move forward. We will move forward honoring federal, state, and local guidelines because we will not compromise our witness in the community. We will also move forward with wisdom. Listen, we're not fearful, but we are going to be careful because we care. Here's a quick reminder though, uh, until that time comes when we gather in person, which of course will be amazing, church is not closed, we are still the church on mission together, so continue to connect on Sundays and at online circles on Fridays. That was a lot, uh, but we felt it necessary to publicly say uh, some of those things. So now let's make sure we're all on the same page with some helpful information. Yeah, first uh, Centerway is not just a Sunday morning thing. We're active and serving throughout the week. So if you or someone you know needs any type of assistance or prayer, we'd be happy to help in any way that we can. Just please email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com. Secondly, we have resources available for you and everyone in your family. Uh, we have devotionals, wallpapers, and messages just for kids. Our Centerway kids learn from the same text you do, but with kid-friendly content. If you have kids in your home, it's a great way to discuss the Bible and to grow as a family. Uh, you can find everything that I just mentioned on our website. If you're watching live, I uh, just want to point out there are some tabs to share your info, to give, to take next steps, to find previous messages, and even to share this message. Uh, but no worries if you're watching or listening later, you can do those things through our website. 
here's what to expect today. In just a moment, Charlene will be reading the scripture text for us, Eric will be communicating from the Bible, and Adam will share some ways to respond in worship, including how you can join us on Instagram Live or Facebook Live as a way to respond through song. Yeah. We love and miss you all so much. And some of you we can't wait to meet because you've joined us in this season and we haven't even met you. Um, but until then, just know that we're praying for you and we care so much about all of you. Um, here's Charlene with the text for today. Good morning, Centerway. It's good to be with you this morning. My name is Charlene and I'll be doing the scripture reading today. Today's scripture is 1 John 2, verses 18 through 25. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. Good morning, Centerway, and happy June. My name is Eric, and I'm just thrilled uh, that we get to be here together, spending some time in 1 John. Uh, we're actually in a series called Still Life, and over the last month or so, we've been journeying through uh, this epistle, uh, 1 John, together. And uh, this week is really interesting. We've really come to a critical section of the book, where John deals with what truth looks like. Uh, and so today's message is entitled Truth truth. Uh, now, I've noticed something about the world regarding truth, and I wonder if you've noticed it too. Uh, I've noticed that uh, every time uh, that anything valuable is created in our society, immediately somebody comes along and counterfeits it, right? Uh, it seems like um, no matter what it is, uh, if it has any value, there's someone trying to make money off of a fake or ripped off version of it. Uh, I was reading something about the Revolutionary War, and as soon as uh, Americans made their own currency, the British came in and they counterfeited that currency and just flooded the whole system out so that it was worth nothing. Uh, you see this with designer handbags, counterfeit, uh, watches, sports signatures, and memorabilia, all of this kind of stuff here. Um, there's a show that my wife and I like to watch when we can. It's called Antiques Roadshow. And like the name suggests, it's a show that goes around the country uh, and has people come and bring in their heirlooms from their homes, 
and uh, get it appraised, uh, see what it's actually worth. And uh, it's a really cool show because the best part of the show is that there's always somebody that uh, gets their heirloom appraised thinking that it's something valuable only to them, uh, only to have an expert tell them something that they didn't know about that heirloom. Uh, and uh, what they thought was worth like 50 bucks turns into like half a million dollars or something. And uh, it's always really cool to live vicariously through them, you know? Uh, but there was a guy who stuck out for the very opposite reason. I thought it was hilarious. I was kind of living through his pain. Uh, he went to South America uh, and bought this clay bowl from the pre-Columbian era. He thought that he was investing uh, in his own life and uh, made an incredible deal. Uh, he purchased this bowl for $1,800. He brought it to Antiques Roadshow uh, and was excited to bring it to this one particular company, this guy who knew all about pre-Columbian bowls and uh, different heirlooms like that. Uh, so the, the guy, the, the expert, uh, looked at him and said, this is not worth what you think it's worth. And he said, oh, that's awesome, because I was thinking it was worth like six to eight grand or something. This is going to be great. He said, no, this is a fake. <laughs> it's counterfeit. It's actually worth maybe $200 if you're lucky. So this guy uh, who thought that he was getting lots and lots of money uh, turned out to be very disappointed. That was kind of awesome. <laughs> Sorry to say. Uh, there is a whole underworld of counterfeiters out there who make a living uh, presenting fake things to people and passing them off as real. Uh, and our passage today actually uh, kind of shows us that it's been that way for thousands of years. So the question I want to start off our time with uh, goes like this. How do we decipher between truth and lie? It's a great question. This is actually a good question to ask yourself today because I know for me, it's not always easy for me to do, to decipher between the counterfeit and the real, between truth and lie. I remember being a preteen and going to the refrigerator and pulling out French onion dip uh, from a different manufacturer. And I was really giggling with excitement because this French onion dip was hell of a good French onion dip. So I ran to my mom thinking I was all funny and cool and going, hey, hey mom, thanks for buying hell of a good French onion dip. And she said, no, 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 that's not what that is. It's halluva good, halluva good French onion dip. And I thought, well, they really wasted an opportunity to have an awesome name. But if my mom says it, it's got to be true. Uh, and no joke, for years after that, I thought it was halluva good stuff, sour cream and all that kind of stuff. Uh, turns out I was very naive and my mom just wanted to make sure that I wasn't heading down this dangerous path or something like that. And so besides going to your sainted mother, uh, how do we decipher between truth and lie? Well, if we go back to our authentic versus counterfeit conversation, uh, when you want to find out something uh, is real or if it's fake, you go to an expert. You go to someone who is so familiar with the real that they can spot a fake just like that. They know exactly what they're looking for. They can tell you the subtleties of the real compared to the nuances of the fake. The casual observer uh, may not know the differences, but the expert has a trained eye for it. And as soon as Christianity was released into the Roman world through the book of Acts, we see people trying to counterfeit Christianity, counterfeit what it's like to follow Jesus. And they passed off what they were selling as the real or the authentic. And man, they made it look really good. 
And so where did the early church go to figure out what is real Christianity, what's authentic Christianity? Well, they went to the expert. They went to this guy named John. Now, as we've talked about in, uh, in the past, John called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. He basically called himself Jesus' best friend. And 1 John was probably written over 50 years after Jesus' ministry. So even after that length of time, the early church said, this is the expert. This is the guy who knows Jesus, who knows what Jesus taught, who knew, knows what Jesus said and did. And so we have to go to him. If we have any question about what real versus fake is, we have to go to this guy, John. And John is going to explain to us the nuances of Christianity in a way that challenges our belief of what we may be believing to be truth, maybe versus a lie. So let's look at uh, verse 18 together. It goes like this, children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. Okay, so what you'll probably notice first in, in verse 18 is that John uses two potentially scary images here uh, to step up his conversation and begin his conversation about truth versus lie. He uses the image of the last hour and he uses the image of Antichrist. I want to talk about the last hour first, if I can. Uh, you may hear John say, this is the last hour, and immediately tune him out. Say, well, if John thought that 2,000 years ago he was living in the last hour, why would I believe anything else that he said? And you may have asked that before. People have been asking that for a really, really long time. And here's what I don't want you to believe. I don't want you to believe, well, we humans, our life is like a vapor. Uh, and so probably what it means is that uh, a year or a decade to us is so short to God that you know, he doesn't really consider this the last hour. What actually John is saying here is that it is the last hour because God exists in eternity outside of time itself. And so he's viewing time uh, in terms of epics or epical events. So in verse 18, what we're hearing is John saying it is the last hour, but what God is saying is that there were epics involved in human history. First epic is creation. The second one is then the fall uh, of humanity. We see that in Genesis. Then there's another epic, which is Jesus coming on the scene and redeeming humanity on the cross. So now John is telling us this is the last hour. But what he's really saying is that there's only one epic left. There's one thing that we have to uh, wait for in terms of human history. And that's the return of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus. So from the time of John until Jesus comes back, we need to consider this the last hour. And then what he says is that we need to watch out in this last hour for antichrists. Now, this is the second scary image uh, in our verse. What does John mean by antichrist? Well, if you've grown up in certain types of churches or you've seen certain genres of horror movies, uh, you might hear Antichrist and think some 
crazy beast that comes up out of the sea or uh, is has superpower and super strength to destroy the world, you know, no matter what you believe about Jesus. And although Revelation does talk about Antichrist in terms of some, you know, some scary images and things like that, what I want you to understand and what I think John wants you to understand uh, is that Antichrist broken down just means anti or against Christ. Uh, there's two ways you can break down anti. Anti can either mean against Christ uh, or uh, it can mean in place of Christ. And I actually think that both of these um, definitions can fit here because Antichrist is anyone who takes the place of Jesus in our lives or anyone who's against the place of Jesus in our lives. I hope you haven't tuned me out yet uh, because this is so pertinent to our lives today. What is that place, you might ask? Well, you might be tempted to answer something like this. Hallelujah, that the place that Jesus needs in my life is at the top. He's at the top of the list. That's where he is in my life. Hallelujah. But I would say that's actually not true. That's not exactly true, in other words. Uh, Claude mentioned it last week. And uh, if you're around Centerway for any length of time, you may have heard it said like this. Jesus isn't at the top of our priority list. Jesus is actually the center of our lives. He's not the top of a list He's the center of our lives. Because if Jesus was at the top of our list, we could pay attention to Jesus first and then move on uh, to things that we could focus on. Things like work or family or sports or whatever it may be. All of those things are very good things. But John doesn't want you to think that way. John doesn't want you to think we start with Jesus and then we put him to the side and then we take out the sports part of our lives and we kind of deal with that for a while. No, John wants us to view Jesus as central to every aspect of the things that we do. Uh, so if Jesus is central to what we do, then Jesus should be there in the midst of playing with our kids and be present as we're working our job. And he should be involved in the joy of leisure and so on and so forth. An Antichrist is anyone who comes against the idea of Jesus being the center of your life. Now, they usually don't demand that they be the center of your life, um, but they don't think that Jesus should be the center of your life. So, for example, someone might say something like this. Jesus and I, we, we have this understanding. We have this understanding right now. I've got a lot on my plate. Jesus knows that, but when things calm down in my life, I'll check church out again, you know? Or maybe you've heard or even said something like this, you know, it's okay to pray, uh, to read my Bible, to even be spiritual and things like that. But as soon as God tells me what to do with my money or how to spend my free time, <laughs> I'm out. I'm out of here. That's an antichrist. That's what John is saying is an antichrist because uh, what they're really saying is that Jesus is okay as a line item on my priority list, but he's never going to be the center of my life. That spot is reserved for me, me only. John says that an antichrist isn't necessarily a beast that curses Jesus and demands your soul. An antichrist is anyone who just doesn't want Jesus at the center of life. Now our expert, John quickly points out the difference between truth and a fake. The truth is that Jesus should be central to everything that we do, 
while the counterfeit is okay with Jesus just being part of the equation of life, so long as he's not what life revolves around. Now, maybe this hits home to you because someone you love has stopped investing in their spiritual relationship with Jesus and with his people. You know, they've stopped connecting with church during this season in particular, and they tell you that their relationship with God, that's private, and it has nothing to do with church. You know, verse 19 talks about this just a little bit. Here's what it says. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. Now, John isn't referring to people who used to attend Centerway, uh, but now attend the Lutheran church down the street or something. Uh, He's getting to this idea of cults and personal interpretations of Jesus. You know, he's appraising the the counterfeit Christianity that's being uh, presented and making its way through the world. And he's showing us the difference is how they see Jesus. Counterfeit Christians probably still call themselves Christians, but they don't view Jesus the way that the Bible views Jesus. You know, Jesus couldn't possibly be fully God and fully man. Uh, So I'm going to take the idea of Jesus and kind of shape it into something more palatable, usually shaping into something that looks more like you or looks more like me. He's going to get into this more later, but for now, John looks at Christians who pronounce a different kind of Christianity and tells us that we can spot a fake by the way that we view Jesus. Here's what verse 20 and 21 say, but you have been anointed by the Holy One and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth. Now, what scholars believe that John is saying in these verses is that those who have left the true church and are proclaiming a different Jesus were telling people something like this. You know, you may have your Bible and your stories about Jesus, but we have the secret knowledge from God. And if you would just uh, kind of, if you want to know what God is really like, then what you would have to do is kind of get to know our guy a little bit and, and buy his books and attend his conferences and so on and so forth. Um, do you think this still happens today? All the time, right? It happens all the time. John reminds us that authentic Christianity is led by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So you don't need to unlock the secret that only some kind of special person can tell you about. You have the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a key component of our strategy at Centerway. We desire to be spirit-led, to be spirit-led people. And if you want to know what God thinks, we believe that you don't have to go to a special teacher that has secret information. We believe that God knows what he thinks, and all you have to do is ask him. You can ask him any time that you want to. John tells us in verse 20 uh, that you have been anointed by the Holy One. Now, again, this might be a word or a phrase that might be intimidating or even downright scary for some of us because we think of anointing and we think, oh, that's, isn't that like dipping your head in oil or like being immersed in some kind of water? Like, what's that all about being anointed? All John is saying here. Uh, is that in, in the Old Testament, a priest would anoint objects that were set apart or dedicated for worship. 
and now the Holy Spirit has anointed you. Instead of certain objects uh, being dedicated for worship, suddenly you are. The imagery is that you who follow Jesus, you are now set apart, dedicated for worship. You're set apart to glorify and to worship God if you're a Christian. And what I would uh, contend is that if your relationship with Jesus just doesn't lead you to worship, there's a chance that you're chasing after a counterfeit version of Christianity. One of the lies that you might be believing during this time is that God only anoints people for ministry or for service who are like the cream of the crop, you know, uh, who have this spiritual maturity thing down, who never get tempted by things, who have overcome all of those uh, worldly and petty obstacles. But scripture is clear that all of us uh, who have been cleansed spiritually by the work of Jesus have access to this anointing. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have to do the hard work of developing spiritual habits uh, or striving for holiness. But if you ever thought that you were too far gone to be used by God, you're believing a lie. You're believing something that just is not found taught in Scripture. It's not true. Here's what verses 22 and 23 say. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father, and whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Now, John is obviously speaking to the early church, but he might as well have been writing to us in 2020. He's telling us that fake Christianity is the kind that says that they're okay with God, just not with Jesus, you know? If someone ever tells you that we disagree uh, on Jesus, but we believe the same God, don't believe them. Let that be a warning flag to you. If uh, John would have us know that real Christianity worships Jesus and honors him as the second person in the Trinity. If someone is offended by Jesus, uh, but is okay with God, then they just don't know God the Father. Don't be fooled by the counterfeit. And it appears kind of that these false teachers in John's day were trying to convince anyone who would listen that there was an other way to God the Father other than the one laid out through Jesus. And John, as the expert, man, he spots that counterfeit idea so obviously that he goes so far as to say that they are just straight up liars. Now, this brings us to our key verse this morning. It's verse 24. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. What we've heard from the beginning. I love that phrase because since Jesus walked the earth, died and ascended into heaven, uh, what we heard from the beginning is that Jesus is both fully human and fully God. He's the God-man. Uh, John says, remain faithful to that. Lean into that. This teaching is known as the hypostatic union, fully God and fully human. And it's kind of like two oars rowing a boat. One oar is his humanity, and the other oar is his divinity, if I can break it down like that. Uh, a couple years ago now, probably four or five years ago now, I got uh, a kayak for Father's Day. And my boys were probably five years old at the time. And uh, the first thing that I wanted to do, I love being outdoors, I wanted to get out there and, and ride it that day. 
but so did my son Isaac. He wanted to get out and, and row that kayak as well. Now, obviously, uh, he had a life jacket, but that was really about it. Uh, and as a good dad, I would not let him, here you go, son, good luck with all that. And so, you know, being the good dad that I am, I set him on my lap and uh, put my arms way out here and started paddling the, the kayak, you know. Um, and he was fun. Nine times out of 10, or 90% of the time, I guess I should say, he was content with just like spotting birds and snakes and things like that. Um, but there would inevitably be a time where he would say, can I row, Dad? Can I paddle? And I'd say, sure. But he was five years old. And he's sitting on my lap and he can't really get the uh, oar, the paddle in the water. And so being right-handed, it would be way too far to the right. And he would just hit the water with his right. <laughs> He'd be paddling just to the right and we'd just veer off to the water. I'd have to grab it and I'd have to row on the left-hand side for a while. Now, that's kind of what was happening uh, in the early church. Most of the time, the error, even today, is that Jesus is just a human. He's just this really good teacher. He's not really God. When you row with one oar, you get off course pretty quickly. But there's an other uh, error that we can have. We could say that Jesus, he was God, but there's no way that he could be human because that would make him sinful. And we know that he did not sin. If you think that way, you're only rowing uh, with the other oar, and you're off course yet again. Now, fast forward to last summer, uh, Isaac was nine years old, and this time uh, he's, he's bigger, he's stronger, he's able to actually row, and it was incredible because I put him uh, on my lap, and he grabbed the paddle, he could go left and right and steer us right in the, the same direction, and it was beautiful. It was such an incredible experience. Good for dad, because I had nothing to do but just to sit back and relax, which is pretty fun too. Uh, but when we row with both oars, Jesus is fully God and he's fully human. We're leaning into what we have heard from the beginning. And John says, if you want to believe a truth rather than a lie, we have to lean into that. We have to know what we know from the beginning. So John shows us how to spot a counterfeit. He basically says the best way to know what's fake is to know what's real, to know what's truth. The God-man uh, whose love so amazing, so divine, demands our soul, our life, our all. Our last verse uh, is the most fun, probably, and uh, it's one of the most interesting verses in this whole section, probably in the whole book. It's so simple, but it's really, really profound. It goes like this. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. <laughs> now, I don't want your mind to immediately go to the idea of eternal life kind of beginning when we die. Like, oh, life is terrible now, but if you can just hang on to heaven, life is going to be awesome. I will tell you what, one day, heaven's going to be amazing, right? Uh, quick nerd alert. Uh, John wrote 1,415 verses in the New Testament. And this verse here, uh, verse, uh, 1 John, verse 2, uh, verse 25, is the only one that he uses the word promise. Promise in here. thought that was pretty cool. Uh, what I like about that, it's like John is linking the idea of promise with the truth that we have heard from the beginning from the beginning. So it's possible that John is explaining to us that abiding, just being still in the here and now with this truth, begins the eternal life 
that God has promised to us. Now, that would line up with what John says in his gospel about what Jesus preached to us in uh, John chapter 10, verse 10. It says, Jesus said it this way, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, uh, I love that real abundant life right here and now. It's found in Jesus. He promises life eternal and abundant as we abide in him. I like to say that there's still life for those of us uh, who have had our dreams altered or our hopes dissipated by uh, the, the cares of this world or the struggles that happen in life. Sin runs rampant in this life, uh, and yes, it will let you down if you hope in what you see. But as you remain in Jesus, as you ah, just rest in him, abide in his presence, the truth and the beauty uh, of Jesus lights up our path. You know, for me, the way that we wrap up this particular section of the gathering, it never gets old because we authentically believe uh, that the text requires something of us. We do. If we believe this to be the inspired word of God, uh, then we can't just read it, study it, and then move on without allowing it to move us to action. So this week's application question goes like this. What lie will I replace with truth this week? I want you to think about that. What lie will I replace with truth this week? Are there counterfeit ideas that you've been believing that you kind of assume are the truth? Because that's what Satan loves to do, right? Uh, he loves to whisper something that seems like it could potentially be true so that without the expert witness of scripture, we'll buy into it. We'll begin to uh, believe a lie. We'll continue to believe that lie and we'll allow that lie to keep us frozen in our tracks, kind of destroyed by that lie. Maybe you bought into a lie that giving your life to Jesus means that you have to give up on your dream. You're like, well, if I follow Jesus, it means I have to give up the good life. I'll probably have to live a life of misery and pain, and he'll want me to live that way because he wants me to be like him, you know? Maybe the lie you're believing is that making Jesus the center of your life will leave you bored or boring or lifeless, you know? It's time to meditate on John 10.10 10 or 1 John 2.25 and replace that lie with the truth of Scripture. Or... Maybe you're believing a lie that God doesn't want you. Now, you believe this because if he did want me, uh, then he would do something about the painful situation that I'm in. Or uh, he wouldn't keep me from, he would keep me from making the same mistakes that I'm making over and over and over again. But apparently, I'm struggling with it. And apparently, God doesn't want me. He doesn't want to help me out. <laughs> it's time to replace that lie with the truth that God is your father, that he loves you, that he wants to whisper his very great and precious promises to your life. I don't know what lie comes easy for you to believe, but you do. That's the beauty of it. I want you to allow God uh, to speak to you this morning, to speak a healing word to you today. And as he does, I want you to allow that word uh, to, to go down deep into your spirit and give you the courage to kind of reject those long-held lies that you've been believing. Can we pray together about that? 
Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the grace that allows us to uh, navigate life in such a way that we can spot a fake versus the real, that we can spot a counterfeit that someone's trying to sell to us, Lord. I thank you that your word shows us what's authentic, what's true, and what's real. And I pray, Lord God, that we would wholeheartedly embrace the truth of your word today. Father God, that whatever lie we've been believing, whatever lie we've allowed to defeat us in our lives, Lord God, help us to hold that up to the light of scripture today, to the light of the beauty of Jesus. And in so doing, give us the strength and the grace to replace that lie with truth. Help us, Lord, to meditate on your word this week, to meditate on what it looks like to speak truth into our lives, to the lives of our family, and to the lives of people that actually need to know that. I thank you, Lord God, that it's never too late and that your word reveals that to us. We pray for your grace today. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) Amen. Man, well, I hope that you get Uh, the sense of hope that I'm feeling on this side of the camera uh, as we kind of wrap up this week here. Uh, We say it at Centerway a lot, but it's so true even now. We get to do this. It's really, really incredible. Now, uh, be sure to keep it right here as we get instructions on how to access the live worship uh, response to this word. Hope you guys have a great week. Hi, I'm Adam, here to share ways to respond to the word in worship. We want to encourage you to spend time this week asking the Holy Spirit to reveal lies you're believing and help you replace them with truth. There are many other ways to worship, giving, taking next steps, and serving are a few. If you're with us on the live platform, in just a moment, we also get to worship together through song. If you're watching or listening later, you can listen to the songs from the set on Spotify. Just search Centerway Church and look for our Still Life playlist. For those with us live, we'll give you a minute or two to join us on Instagram Live or Facebook Live to worship in song together. We'll see you guys over there.